The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are going to talk about if the Bucks have the biggest chip on their shoulder of any NBA contender. We are also going to talk about why you can't get too excited during spring training, an annual reminder. And then lastly, another quarterback leaves the NFC. We'll talk about the impact of that. And then Chuck's Corner, I keep getting two-day hangovers, and I fucking hate it. So we'll talk about that all today. Um, Before we do, reminder, Tabbing the Keg on Twitter, Tabbing the Keg Sports, everywhere else, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. If you're new, if you joined our bracket pool and you didn't know who the hell we were, you're like, maybe I should check these guys out, and you're listening to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to us. Uh, If you like Wisconsin sports, that's your thing, great. If it isn't your thing, maybe you just want to hear a little perspective. Maybe you're an honest fan. Maybe you're an Aaron Rodgers guy. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe. If you are already subscribed to the podcast, uh, please rate and review. We appreciate it. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Milwaukee Bucks get ready to take on the Chicago Bulls. The Bull, the Bucks have been pretty good uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, the Bucks have definitely flipped a switch, and it looks like the the Bucks are ready to take over the NBA. Uh, Brooke Lopez came back last week. Pat Connaughton also came back on Sunday, Saturday. Now the Bucks did rest Giannis Antetokounmpo on Saturday. Chris Middleton is resting Tuesday. I would not be surprised if Drew Holiday follows suit on Thursday. I think the Bucks are just getting themselves in preparation for a an important stretch where they play Philadelphia and Brooklyn on the 29th and the 31st. But all, and I think Boston might be in there too. Um, but also they want to get ready for the playoffs. The playoffs are coming. They are less than a month away. They start on April 17th. So Easter weekend, we will have NBA playoff basketball yet again. And I have something very fun planned for. Actually, that's Easter Sunday. So I thought they're not even doing Saturday. That's crazy. Uh, so they're for, for going Saturday and they're getting right in on Easter Sunday. Not a bad idea, but I also hate that we don't have a Saturday of basketball. Like, we should get a full Saturday of basketball. Perfect for us from a planning perspective, but way more to come on that, trust me, um, when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks, the Broadhouse, and a lot of other things. But playoff time is nearly here, and I started to think about the Milwaukee Bucks, and I wondered if they were the most disrespected team in all of the NBA right now, and if the Bucks get absolutely no credit for what they've done. If you read the Sam Mamick interview with Giannis Antetokounmpo, which we're going to talk more about after, about his injury, and I'm telling you, it's a must-read. Um, a, because it's extremely digestible. It's a Q&A between Sam and Giannis. And really, the conversation is very free-flowing. It almost feels like a podcast, right? But you're reading it. And the way Giannis talks and the way that he mentions it, they feel like everybody thinks they got lucky. And I, I think about this song, which I, I feel like is the, the theme song for the box. It might be because Giannis is mentioned in the song by Fabulous. But the, he has a line in this song called Bombs, which has been around for a while. I just discovered it, I don't know, last summer, last winter, whatever. But in the beginning of it, he goes, do it one time, they going to think it's luck. Got to hit them with the repeat. Do it two times, they're still going to doubt. Because trust me, people will still doubt the Bucks won two straight. Hey, now I got a three-peat. And that's kind of in the beginning of the song before Alan Parsons' project comes in. 
And I feel like that's the Bucks theme song right now. Because I think everybody thinks the Bucks got lucky. I don't think people call it a Mickey Mouse title like we do with the Lakers, which is a Mickey Mouse title. Same with the Dodgers. But I do think people are discrediting it because of the injuries to the Brooklyn players, the Trey Young injury, Chris Paul's fake can injury. I think all of those things have been accumulated to the Bucks didn't deserve this. And I just wonder if the Bucks are using that as motivation, if they're fueling their fire by saying, oh yeah, you don't think we're the best team in the East? We're going to fucking show you. We're going to dominate this entire playoffs and make it a statement and make a point of that we are the best team in this conference. And I truly believe they're the best team in the NBA. I think they're the best team in the conference. I think there are some major issues with all of the teams right now. And while the Bucks aren't absolved of issues... I just think their issues are more fixable than what we have with Miami, what we have with Philadelphia, what we have with Chicago, Boston. I, I think the the two teams right now, if I had to say who have the least amount of issues, it's probably Boston and Milwaukee, crazy enough. But still with Boston, I, I don't know if they have a reliable point guard you can trust down the stretch. And that worries me from an offensive perspective. Like, I've seen that before. I've done that. It's called Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. It wasn't fun. Let me tell you, Celtics fans. At some point, you need a fucking point guard. You need a Drew Holiday. And I just don't know if the Celtics have that. And that that would be my chief concern with them. And with the Philadelphia 76ers, it's the fact they're slow as fuck. And the fact that James Harden is a playoff choke and maybe the biggest playoff choke of our generation like he makes greg norman look normal um it's a weird comparison but try it's first what i thought of i'm like playoff jokes but i was like greg norman i i really do like i don't think barkley was this bad i don't i know people have said some carl malone comparisons but like carl malone got the two finals so i don't know but anyways uh and with miami like you saw tonight when they lost to a depleted sixers team they were hunting Tyler Harrow. That's exactly what the Bucks did to in their comeback. Harrow and Duncan Robinson are a real problem on the perimeter. Brooklyn can't stop a fucking sneeze either. And that's their problem as well. So those two teams are defensively inept. So there are so many issues. The Bulls have not beat a good team all year. They're 16 and 19 since their 27 and 10 start. They won tonight. Congratulations. Finally beat a fucking playoff team. Cleveland's leaking oil. Like... I look at this and I'm like, why aren't anyone just saying it's the Bucks division and it's nobody else's? I think it's because there's just not enough people ready to convince themselves that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA and that Giannis Antetokounmpo has just another gear to him. And that Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are as good of sidekicks as any in the league. They are the best big three in the NBA. And I just don't think... There's enough people ready to give them that credit. So if you look at chips on their shoulders, you look at the disrespect, which we hear all the time. Everybody wants to talk about the haters. Paulo Bonchero of Duke was saying how people didn't think they were going to get out of the first round, which first two rounds, which I have no fucking idea who Paulo was talking to. I saw some Michigan guy was like, yeah, we had all these haters. Well, win more than 17 fucking games, dude. Shut up. So yeah, everybody has haters, but I do think the Bucks have the biggest chip on their shoulder heading into the playoffs. And I, I don't know if I can be convinced otherwise. 
the Heat's chip on their shoulder is what? That they got swept out of the first round and that they're trying to prove that the bubble isn't a fluke. So I guess that's the Heat's, cho- the Heat's chip. The Sixers' chip is that everybody thinks Embiid and Harden are choke artists and that Doc Rivers is one of the worst playoff coaches of modern history. That's their chip. Are they Again, are they going to be able to respond to that? Are they going to be able to get past that? The Celtics... Nice regular season story. I don't know if the Celtics have a chip. I don't really think the Celtics have a chip. The Bulls have the chip of they can't beat good teams. They know that. And then I don't even want to throw the Cleveland Cavaliers in in that discussion because I don't think they're a championship contender. And if you wanted to say Brooklyn, it's just you don't have Kyrie Irving on certain home games. And the city of New York has royally fucked the Brooklyn Nets. And ironically... If they were still in New Jersey, Kyrie could play every game. And I think Brooklyn is a different team right now. Then in the West, when you talk about chips on their shoulder, I think the biggest one is Utah, right? Everybody thinks Utah is what the Bucks were years ago. And it's like, can this Utah team finally kind of get over the hump? Now there's stories that Quinn Snyder might be looking at the LA job, that LeBron might be engineering a Quinn Snyder to Los Angeles, which would be really interesting. And then it makes me wonder, would Donovan Mitchell somehow try to find his way to to Los Angeles? I don't know what Snyder and him's relationship is. I don't know if he's more, if Snyder's more of a Gobert guy or more of a Mitchell guy. Now, I'm not saying Gobert would go to LA because I don't know how the hell that would work with LeBron. But regardless, I, I do find that interesting. That's definitely hovering around Utah. I think Luka has the chip of not getting out of the first round. But again, I don't think... It's that big. I think Jokic doesn't necessarily have a lot of haters, right? Uh, but it, it is weird that I think Jokic is starting to develop some because there are certain matchups where it gets taken to the woodshed. Like Robert Williams took him to the fucking woodshed on on Sunday and made him look pretty damn bad. And I think the right matchup against Jokic spells trouble for him. So, I, But I don't think that's a chip yet. Memphis doesn't have a chip yet. Uh, Golden State, I think it's like, can they, are they actually Golden State of old or are they just another iteration that's good, not great? I don't know, but I don't even know if that's a chip. The Suns obviously have the the bounce back and have the ability there. So of like, hey, they need to go back to the finals, redeem themselves and everything like that. But you, you sum all this up and then you look at the box and you're like, this is the champion, but nobody kind of takes them seriously. It's like, why shouldn't they have the biggest chip? They should be feared. They should look at what Giannis is doing, where he looks like a fucking running back going through, you know, a secondary and just absolutely demolishing people as a real problem. There aren't a lot of Giannis stoppers in the league right now. There just aren't. They're, they don't exist. You know, it, it's funny, but it's, it's not necessarily something everybody has on their roster. And you look at the matchups as of, and we don't even need to break down the matchups, but I'm not scared of anybody. We talked about this in podcasts before, but it's like even Brooklyn, if we get Brooklyn, they can't stop anybody inside. Their guard perimeter play is absolutely terrible defensively. Now Kyrie is on another planet right now and Durant's playing well, but I just don't know if it's sustainable to not have Kyrie in your two two to three home games. That's just going to affect you. It's really hard to kind of turn that on and off and have different schemes. And if they figure it out, Nash, I mean, deserves all the credit in the world. And if they have to play Toronto in the first round, they have to go to Toronto where Kyrie can't play. 
So then they might be subject to the eight seed or even miss the playoffs, which I, I doubt, but you, you never know. They won't have Kyrie for either of the games. It's crazy. And so with Toronto, again, it's a demon of Milwaukee, but I don't like anything I've seen from Toronto in the last few weeks. Like, they lose to the Lakers at home. I get that the Lakers are making a push here. I get that, which I foolishly gambled against LeBron tonight, which was an absolute idiotic dodo play by me. But I, the Lakers are making a push. But still, like, you can't lose to the Lakers at home. All right? Yeah, you have a nice win against the Sixers, but you only score 93 points. Yes, you held Philly to 88. But then tonight, you go on and you don't even get to 100 against Chicago, which Chicago has been bad defensively without Alonzo Ball. That's tough, man. That's really tough for me to look at from the Raptor side of things and say, why should we fear this team? Just because Nick Nurse kind of has Bud's number? Are the Bucks going to lose a couple games? Sure. Can they beat Toronto in a full game series? Absolutely. All right? Think that there's just a lot of like scar tissue there, which is fair. But yeah, I don't really think the Bucks should be feared of anybody. But I do think that because they're not feared by the rest of the NBA, there is this inherent chip on their shoulder. And that they want to prove people that nothing of the first time was a fluke. And that they are completely legit. And I, I think it won't even take a finals win for them to have that. If the Bucks get to the finals, no matter who they play, whether it's Phoenix, whether it's Utah, whether it's Memphis... I think there is an establishment there of like, yes, the Bucks are kind of this generation's Spurs, this, gener this generation's Heat Warriors. Like, I think there is a, a amount of respect that is gained with another finals appearance. And I, I do think the Bucks are going to do it. Moving on to uh, another part of the Amic interview, talked about Giannis' knee injury. And I think we all wondered how serious things were for Giannis. You know, there were rumors that Giannis had COVID at the end of it um, when why he was wearing a mask and everything like that. But I, I think in reality, I think Giannis was really banged up. And I think Giannis played at probably 60 to 70%. I think he got better as the weeks went on and the knee started to heal a little bit. But what Giannis did is other world shit. It's other world it should go down in sort of the history books of what it took to win an NBA title. That Giannis was basically broken. That Giannis could have easily tore his ACL, torn his MCL, had an extremely significant injury. To hear Giannis say he would have played game seven, even though I think at that point he wasn't even 50%, and saying I have to go down swinging just shows you the heart of the champion that Anadokounmpo has. And it shows you, you know, all the stuff going on behind the scenes with the Bucks in terms of that injury, because it wasn't good. It was not pretty, and Giannis found a way, and he got stronger and stronger. You think about that block in game four against DeAndre Ayton with a bum knee. You think about the, at the Valley Oop dunk. You think about the 50-point game. It's an iconic performance with the injury news that is now out there with Antetokounmpo. So I think we all appreciate it here in Milwaukee. I don't think any of us take for granted what Antetokounmpo did, but I think it's worth going back and watching. The Jay Crowder thing was really interesting where Jay Crowder kicked his leg out, kind of Reggie Miller style, hit Giannis's leg, and Giannis was looking like he was ready to die. Like it looked like Giannis was like, I'm I'm done. And I, I don't really remember that. I was watching with Mitch um, back in his place for that game one, and I can't recall that moment. But it does, it does sort of, you know, hold true. So 
I am very interested to see. I'll be interested to see if the story kind of picks up legs or if, no pun intended, or if it's just kind of, again, another Giannis thing that gets sort of forgotten in the shuffle. Because I, I do think it's worth your worth a lot of people's eyeballs. I think it's worth a lot of people's eyeballs as to what it takes. And, and Giannis is just will to win. I also thought his commentary about the MVP was hilarious. That A, he doesn't know who's in the MVP running. Talking about how he doesn't need to win one. That's all about a championship. And he asked... Amic and Amic, you know, who is in the MVP race? Uh, and he said, you know, yes, Jokic, Embiid. He's like, wait, are you really asking me? He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I've, I don't know who's, who's involved. And so, I think it's really funny that Giannis is basically have blinders on. And some people could say, oh, that's just sort of him being coy. He knows all of this. Giannis pays attention to stuff, but I don't think he pays attention to it. In the traditional way. Nick Monroe runs his Twitter account. Which is pretty of a cool accomplishment for Nick Monroe. But I think what he probably does. Is he probably asks Nick. You know every day. Maybe every other day. Hey what happened? What what are people talking about? What's Stephen A saying? What's Jalen Rose saying? What's Twitter saying? Just what's going. What's like kind of the vibe right now? So I think like Gian, like I'm sure Giannis knew about the Charles Oakley thing. Which I kind of disappointed Amick didn't ask about Oakley or T-Mac who both have kind of said like Giannis couldn't have played in his generation like how do you feel about that what do, what does that sort of do for you but he he didn't talk about that which I'm that's the only thing that I thought was missed out from there because I would have loved to hear kind of his POV on how he felt if he feels about that because that's that's something that is really interesting and it's a unique to the NBA and I think there are less Guys like that, like if you listen to Ron Artest, I think his actual name is like Metaphysics. I'm not even gonna try, but but Ron Artest was on Rasilla's podcast last week, which was a really good interview. Where he talks about Giannis a little bit and talks about how he played Giannis and he was totally different. I think he said he threw Giannis to the floor, um, but he also mentions like that Giannis is like one of the best players now and like he's developed into this, this great player and just had a lot of accolades to say about Antetokounmpo. So. It's definitely refreshing to hear a guy like Ron Artest, you know, sort of have that love for Antetokounmpo and it not be this haterville, oh, he couldn't play in my generation. Because I think the Artest generation is a lot better about crediting today's generation than like the Oakley T-Mac generation. Like I feel like Artest, I've heard some really nice things said about uh, Giannis, I think from Jamal Crawford, I think. There are a few other guys in that sort of category, sort of area of time that that have respect for the next generation. So I'm not not too concerned that this is going to be a continual thing. I think it's just whenever an old head needs to get some attention, they're going to start talking about Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. Mostly Antetokounmpo, not necessarily the Bucks. Some of you probably won't even know who Giannis plays for. I really want the old guy to mispronounce Giannis's name and then then get like. Like, yeah, I don't think Giannis could play with me. Something like that. I don't know. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. A little Brewers talk, right? Talking baseball. Spring training in full force. Um, I do not know how they did against the San Francisco Giants as I'm taping during that game. Uh, They had a night game tonight, which is kind of cool. I think if I were to ever do spring training, I've never done it. I'm very interested. I mean, if we ever got this thing to where I would love it to be, we would certainly set up some sort of spring training trip and do like a live show and do like two or three days out there and, 
you know, kind of, you know, make it a little bit bigger than, than what it is right now. Maybe not live, live shows like what my fucking PMT. Um, but seriously, like I, I think that a spring training trip would be a lot of fun. You would have a good time because you basically can dick around. You don't have to actually pay attention to the baseball game. For a lot of people who are very casual baseball fans, I'm not. But that, you know, they can just kind of enjoy it and not necessarily have the pressure of having to watch everything and watch every at-bat. So with spring training brings a lot of excitement when you see guys doing well. Like Christian Yelich had two hits yesterday. I think Kessin Hara hit a home run. So he did have two hits. I don't know. I can't remember if one was a home run. Willie Adamas went yard uh, tonight. So it's like you get excited, right? You're like, okay, here we go. Brewers are showing some signs of offense. And it's like you got to remind yourself like, this is only spring training. This is not necessarily anything more than that. You cannot get yourself that excited for it. It's truly practice of fandom to not overdo it, to not be like, all right, yeah, this pitcher is going to be great. Like Adrian Hauser is another example of this. Like I saw a couple of Adrian Hauser pitches and I'm like, this guy's going to be fucking Cy Young this year. Like he's going to be awesome. And so I think it's really a good practice to not get too high, not get too low. I think Corbin Burns is actually weirdly the best example of this. Remember how awesome Corbin Burns was? I think that was 2019, I want to say. 2019, Corbin Burns had an awesome spring training. Corbin Burns looked like the Corbin Burns we saw last year that won a Cy Young. All right? Like, he was incredible. And then came the regular season, and he was absolutely god-awful. We were like, Corbin Burns is going to take the leap. He's going to take the leap. And he was terrible. He was so bad. He was giving up home runs left and right. Couldn't be fixed, and then that led to him going to the pitching, you know, academy or whatever in Arizona, basically fixing everything and making it all good again. And now Burns is a Cy Young. Bill James, famous statistician, famous inventor of analytics for baseball, has given sort of Burns the number two spot in terms of pitchers in all of baseball, which is an amazing accomplishment. Something definitely worth noting. Um, but I look at this all and I, I think to myself, man, did they really, you know, it, it really was a start from the bottom. Now we're here for Corbin Burns. And I think that he, he, he has a lot more of that. And I think that's a really good lesson. And you just can't get too fired up about spring training. Brooks Conrad is another amazing example way back when, but Brooks Conrad played for Atlanta Brewers brought him in. I can't remember. Minor league invite, whatever. But he was tearing it up in spring training. He was awesome. And, and there was some talk. Maybe Rex Conrad's a starter. Maybe he's just a guy you get off the bench. And then Brooks went 0 for 31 and got released by the Brewers. It was terrible in the regular season. And you've also seen some guys. I can't think of an example. Because you usually think of the guys who start hot. And then they completely fall apart in April. But, you know, there are, I'm sure, examples of guys who've had really bad springs and then all of a sudden they come through with an awesome April, awesome May. I think with pitchers, it's really a good practice not to pay attention to anything they do, especially if they're getting rocked because usually they're just tinkering. Usually they're just messing with stuff. Like Josh Hader, again, messing with his changeup. So if Josh Hader gives up a couple home runs in spring training, I'm not going to freak out about it. He pitched well today, but I'm not going to freak out. Like that's... There, there is no sort of sort of worry, right? There's no concern of hater, hater somehow falling apart or having a one bad spring that leads to just an awful, awful season. 
So, and yeah, if an injury happens and a guy's out for multiple weeks or months, yes, that's terrible. And then that's, you got to adapt to that. That's not, you can overreact about that. But at least gives you, if it's like, let's say a eight-week injury, I mean, you're back for, you're back by Memorial Day, right? As long as rehab goes well, as long as everything works out, it's not the worst thing in the world. And now I knock on wood because I don't want anyone out for two months. But I'm just saying, like, it's spring training is just a practice in patience, a practice in enjoying that baseball is back. I don't really watch a ton of spring training. I'm not one of those people. I know that I have friends who, who do it. My dad does it. But I just, I have no real patience for it. I think it's one of those things, if it's on or they're playing, I'll throw it on. But I think that's also a drawback of not having Bally, you know, in my TV rotation. I have to flip to another app for Bally. If I had Bally just hanging out on my YouTube TV sort of interface, yeah, I for sure would would potentially look at doing Bally, you know, on a random Tuesday afternoon if like I'm working and have TV on, that oh yeah, maybe I'll I'll go check out and see what the Brewers are doing. But nah, we'll wait till the regular season for a lot of that. All right, moving on to the NFC and the Packers divisions or Packers conference, excuse me. Specifically, uh, Matt Ryan is potential is moving out. He's not potentially he is moving out of the NFC. He's going to the AFC. The Colts yet again. Uh, the NFC loses one of their top quarterbacks. Now, Matt Ryan has, I wouldn't say been washed up, but definitely a guy who sort of has been just average since his MVP run and his success in the mid kind of 2010s when he took Atlanta all the way to the Super Bowl and probably should have won a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, Matt Ryan's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, but that will always sort of be on his resume. There will always be that you know, he got his team to this point of the Super Bowl, but he wasn't able to finish the deal. Now Matt Ryan is hoping to do that with the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts, you know, settled for the older quarterback versus trying to go young with a Baker Mayfield type. Um, and maybe it's just due to they did it. Carson Wentz, who was younger, didn't work out. They want to go back to what they had with Phil Rivers, which again, I don't know if that was really a competitive team. I mean, it made the playoffs, but they got bounced in the first round. So it's not like the Colts were this like juggernaut um, with Phil Rivers. But they will try to be with Matt Ryan. I mean, Matt Ryan did still show signs of competence. Um, so I credit the Colts for doing it. Third round pick is nothing. Um, the, the fact the Falcons have to ensure 40 million of dead cap is really bad. Um, that's how bad contracts. I know you're like, Charlie, Packers could do the same thing. And it's like, yeah, I know. I know. I get it. But it's, yeah, it's not, not something you want. Not something you want to deal with. So, yes. And that means less good quarterbacks in the NFC. Packers do face Atlanta this season. Uh, and they will be facing Marcus Mariota as of now. Marcus Mariota was kind of the starting quarterback to take over um, at this point. It does make me wonder if Atlanta is going to either draft a quarterback or would they look for a guy like Jordan Love. I feel like Mariota is a perfect stopgap quarterback. Obviously, there's a relationship with Arthur Smith, but I don't think Arthur Smith is making Marcus Mariota a franchise quarterback. The question is, is what would Atlanta do? Would I, I don't think they're in like the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes, but I certainly would think that they would sniff around with Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love would make a lot of sense for what they're trying to do. Um, and if they don't go in the Jordan Love direction, would they potentially look at a quarterback in this draft, whether it's Malik Willis, whether it's Kenny Pickett, 
whether it's Sam Howell, uh, Carson Strong in the later rounds. Like I think Atlanta has to be a team you consider when it comes to quarterbacks because Desmond Ritter would be another guy who I, I would love. I, I am I agree with those that are all in on Desmond Ritter. Like I think if the Falcons drafted Desmond Ritter, he's starting by week five. That's that would be my prediction. Um but so I, I definitely think that again we're gonna get the a team in the NFC needing it. Well, they got a quarterback, but they don't have that franchise quarterback, and that is sort of where we are with NFC, the NFC. It's a wasteland of quarterbacks. Now maybe Carolina goes and trades for Baker Mayfield. David Tepper desperately wants a quarterback. I don't think they're gonna get Jimmy G. There's the whole Jimmy G thing. Now, if Trey Lance becomes a star and all of a sudden he ascends, then maybe you get Trey Lance. I think where it comes down, and I was thinking about this, about the NFC, AFC quarterback stuff, and I'm so mad at myself because I was going to do a podcast about this before free agency. I didn't. It would have been great. I think a lot of people would have listened to it. It's okay. Tell It's basically advice for those who do this or do content creation. It's just a great practice, and if you have a good fucking idea, just do it. Don't save it for you know a rainy day or something like that. But I do think part of the influx of great quarterbacks in the AFC is due to the draft. It's just hard not. You know what I mean? Like you look at all of it, and you look. Herbert was drafted. Trevor Lawrence drafted. Now Trevor Lawrence isn't even in that mix, but you get my point. Joe Burrow drafted. Uh, you have Patrick Mahomes also drafted. Russell Wilson, yes, traded for sure, but that's an outlier, right? There's like, okay, there's Russell Wilson. Lamar Jackson, drafted. Derek Carr, again, not maybe not in that echelon, but drafted. Josh Allen, drafted. Mac Jones, drafted. Zach Wilson, if he becomes something, drafted. So is it it's just that the we're kind of seeing like why the NFL is so fucking awesome. Because the NFC had some really good teams, they had some really good years where it was super deep. And now all of a sudden the tides are reversing, right? Now we've seen this incredibly successful AFC, and now we're seeing the NFC sort of have to pick up sticks and rebuild after the Breeze retirement, after Brady's almost out the door, after Rodgers is almost out the door. And now we're sort of seeing that change. So it's really interesting. Um, It's really interesting to see. And I do think that you'll see Baker on an NFC roster. So that that helps, right? That at least gives you a little bit more, a little bit more there. Jameis is back. You know, Jameis had a, had a decent kind of start to his Saints career. I think not having Sean Payton there kind of hurts that Jameis experience. I, I mean, if I were the Giants, I know they say they're all in on uh, on Daniel Jones. I would 100% trade for Baker Mayfield. The Eagles have a bunch of picks. They'll probably use it on a quarterback. Seahawks might. So I think like this idea that the quarterbacks are sort of dead or that it won't exist is kind of false. And also you got to remember if one of these teams are really bad next year in the NFC, they're going to draft uh, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Those are going to be one and two, and it's going to be the most obnoxious time to do that because it's going to be all it will be is CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young. I, I'm not looking forward to that. It's going to be it's like that to me will be as hyped as Manning Manning Brian Leaf. Because if, especially if they have really good years, if they both have awesome years, that hype is going to be off the fucking charts. Um, and also probably why I want to 
recommend taking a future on Braylon Allen to win the Heisman because I have no idea how Braylon Allen wins the Heisman with those two guys. It just doesn't seem seem like it's possible. Um, so I do think you're going to see a ton of noise around those two dudes. I think they both can go. I think I can see this. I should probably check that. Well, I'm not going to check it. Um, someone can fact check me. We have we have some fact checkers around here who help me out um, from time to time. But uh, yes, yeah, so, so Stroud can't go still. Bryce Young, so he might not be able to because McShay mentioned that Bryce Young and Will Anderson could be the one and two picks of next year, and didn't mention CJ Stroud. So maybe maybe I'm wrong there. But that's okay. But then if if I am wrong, and then it's like CJ Stroud versus Caleb Williams the next year, and then that's that'll be a big discussion too. So yeah, it, it never stops. The draft the draft machine never actually stops. All right, let's talk about hangovers. So I don't know if you listened to yesterday's podcast. If you did, I appreciate you. I didn't promote it that much. It wasn't because I didn't want to promote it. It's just I didn't have a ton of time. And I'll be honest, I was dragging ass till probably about 6 o'clock tonight. And these two-day hangovers, man, are no joke. I'm going out again tonight, going to the Bucks game. Now, thankfully, I'm going with Morgan's father so it's not like we're going to get wasted. He does like to drink. Um, he, he's not bringing his car. So, he, yeah, we'll have a few beers probably. I don't, But I don't think we're going to get ripped up. At least I don't want to. I've, you know, had enough. <laughs> it's fun for the last, shit, three or four days. Um, it's been it's been quite a ride, man. Like St. Patrick's Day, went out, drank way more than I thought I would. Tried to do a Devontae Abbs pod that night, and I listened to my voice, and I was so slurred. I was like, there is no way I'm going to tape this because I sound like Blarney, or his thing's Barney, right? Barney Fife from uh, The Simpsons. I'm not a huge Simpsons guy. But yeah, that's kind of how I sounded. It was really bad. So I was like, okay, I got to go to bed. Hung over the next day, pretty much the whole day. And then I drank a little bit, got on the horse, feeling good Saturday. But I, again, didn't really sleep that well. And Saturday pulled it out. Just was like, all right, let's go, let's go at it again. Did it. Had a really fun day, really fun night. Didn't even stay out that late. But then on Sunday, uh, my friend Doze was out, and I was like, he's like, hey, come out for the before the Badger game. Now there've been some haters who are like, Charlie, why can you drink before a Badger game but not support the Badgers? Because I'm a raconteur, um, which I probably butchered that. But like, dude, I'm just part of the party. People want to see me. I can't. I can't stop that people want to hang out with me. Um, so I have to go where the people are. And I had a good time. Like, I'm again, not a Badger fan. Not supporting them. Wasn't cheering for buckets. But I was Was I enjoying the Miller Lights? Yeah. Did I, did I get annoyed that there was a ton of red in there? Fuck, of course. A little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. I'm a fan. All right. I can't get a little bit annoyed. But I wasn't like... I was like, well, God, I can't, I can't stand by all these people. None, none of that shit. It was just more of a observation that I kept to myself until I told you guys. And so it's like, yeah, I had more beers, and I um, basically by the end of that, I I felt awful uh, Saturday, Sunday night. Like I had to drag my ass to the finish line of the basketball games, and then it was just a brutal sleep with my dog, and I I was. It's bad, man. I gotta fix the two-day hangovers. Like I, I have to figure out how not to do two-day hangovers anymore. Now I know the smartasses here will be like, "Well, you can stop drinking." It's like, yeah, but I like to drink. All right, like I'm sorry. All right, I enjoy drinking. I enjoy getting drunk. I enjoy having that feeling. I. It's not like I. I have tried to do like, hey, maybe if I have a beer a night, 
I won't want to drink as much during the weekend. No, I fucking want to get ripped. I'm sorry. Um, and, I, and I know that'll change when I have kids. Like, I, I know that whenever I have kids, if I'm lucky enough to have them, it's going to change. Okay. And I also know like when we have buy a house, like again, things will probably change a little bit. But right now I'm kind of probably living on borrowed time. I We talk about house money on this podcast all the time. And I'm kind of living on house money and enjoying it. All right. So if I have friends that want to go out and they're out, why not? Why not take advantage of it? It's just a matter of, I think I have to do a much better job of like understanding hydration levels and understanding that I have to probably be more hydrated than the average person. And not even average person, but just that I I lose a lot there. And I think as you get older, it's it's a little bit harder to use those reserves. And I don't think those reserves are, are kind of there for me as much as they were anymore. So hopefully I can turn the tide around before the summer because I summer I think is going to be nuts. Like I think, you know, hopefully everybody just keeps their cool about COVID. I know there's some whatever cases rising, but if you read the stats, 77% of people are over COVID. As long as people just keep their cool, it's going to be a wild ass summer. Um, and if I'm still here for it and we haven't found a house, then yeah, well, let's let the house money flow in. All right, that does it for today's show. Um, yeah, podcast tomorrow, Daily Tap. I'll uh, give you some observations from the Bucks game. I'm sitting very close, so I'll be able to uh, give you some live observations from that. Um, we'll also talk about whatever else comes through the wire for Wednesday. Maybe Zedaria Smith to the Vikings. Um, that was rumored. I didn't mention that when we did Matt Ryan. Um, and then tapping the keg for Thursday. Um, so Mitch and I will do... Uh, another tabbing the keg on Thursday and then daily tap Friday and ride out for the weekend. So that'll be that'll be the the show. That'll be the show week. So look forward to that. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk more and hopefully a little more content on the socials too. Sorry, sorry that was lagging this weekend. Um, I need to do a better job on the weekends. I just do. Uh, it's hard. It's hard, but you know I gotta figure it out. Drake can work on the weekends. I can too. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good good Tuesday. We'll talk tomorrow. Bye.